Good evening, moviegoers, and welcome to the Universal Palace. With the installation of the modern electric chair, affectionately known around Hellgate as Old Smokey. Looks like I win again. Decades, Halloween Horror Night Orlando has created a unique world of horror. We'll explore this world's legends and lore through the ages, discovering their origins and learning their story past. So join us now in this special episode of The Catacombs of Halloween Horror Nights. Welcome to this Catacombs of Halloween Horror Nights podcast special episode, Legacy and Lore. I am Matt, and this is another installment of that short-run expansion to the Catacombs of Halloween Horror Nights podcast. This is where I take a look at a piece of Halloween Horror Nights that helps make the much bigger world that it's become over the past three decades. And world is the right word for this episode, because in this episode, I am going to be talking about the world of Terra Cruentis. Terra Cruentis is a name that is not only familiar to probably every Halloween Horror Nights fan, but it's also a name that's been fresh in our minds during the pre-Halloween Horror Nights 30 season, and for several reasons. One, the name, Terra Cruentis, or a form of the name, or even a major character from this world has shown up in a lot of rumors throughout the preseason, and has even appeared on at least one Speculation map from HorrorNightNightmares.com. Maybe two. I know one for sure. Two, one of the major elements of this world story is that the ruler of the world, the ruler of Terra Coentis, and the world itself returns every 15 years in a cycle that starts this story over again. And then number three, it's just a really fantastic story it's really cool and just about i think i was gonna say about everybody i think everyone that i know at least that i talk about halloween horror nights with love this story and it still is very uh what's the word i'm looking for largely revered i think is a way to say it it's very revered even to this day i am going to give just a little bit of background in how this related to the event of halloween horror nights I'm not going to talk about how the, or I'm not really going to talk about the event itself. We've actually covered this subject before. We covered it on our Halloween Horror Nights 15 episode and how it relates to the houses, the scare zones, and all the attractions that you experienced. In this episode, I am only talking about the world, but if you don't know what it is, let me give you just a real quick uh, 101, a primer on what it was. In 2005, for Halloween Horror Nights 15, this was the theme and world overlay to the event. This was the world you would be traversing, and every experience, like I just said, the houses and the scare zones were related to this story. Many of you might know at this point, you might even know the story already, especially if you're listening to this podcast, many of you might remember that it was the storyteller who was the icon, and no marketing material pointed to anything like I am about to describe. No Terra Queen, no Terra Quintus, no Terra Run, which is the entire story that we're going to tell here. Long story short, and without being an official representative for Universal Studios, this is my interpretation of the information I have read and heard over the years. 
The Terra Quintus idea was not scrapped per se. It was still in the event, but as far as marketing it to a larger audience, to literally a worldwide audience, it was never used. And the storyteller was developed as a marketing tool to advertise and spread word and put a face to the event. The world of Terra Quintus still existed, but as far as the casual Halloween Harnays visitor knew, this was the storyteller's year. So that is the basic primer of Terra Quintus at Halloween Horror Nights 15. Now we are just going to get straight into the story of Terra Quintus itself. Terra Quintus is a world made up of multiple realms, and each of these realms has a specific function, in a sense, to the world and to a specific event that is going to be talked about a lot in this story for Terra Quintus. There's an important story element to tell right away before we get too much further into the story. And that is, even though Terra Quintus is not of or part of Earth, it's on Earth when it exists. And by that, I mean, it is a place that we, as humans, humanity, anyone that's near it can enter and hopefully exit, which is another story, while this world exists. So again... It's not of Earth, but it is on Earth when it exists. Now, within each of these individual realms, there are a unique set of species to Terra Quintus. They do share one common trait, and that is their devotion and fear of one particular individual, and that is the ruler of Terra Quintus, the Terra Queen. Now, the Terra Queen herself is a very striking figure that... I guess you could say wears or maybe better said bears a crown. Her crown looks like black iron spikes that actually start to be forming from her own blood and flesh and then rising above her head, much like a crown. She's accompanied by her black guards as she traverses these realms of Terraquentis on her bone chopper. That is a loud very powerful motorcycle with a half-skin skull of a horned beast on the front and bone and stretched skin wings jetting from the sides and rising from the tail. This ride that she took with her black guards would always end the same, and that was with a blood sacrifice at the Terra Throne. The Terra Queen couldn't speak, but she could make some horrific shrieks and hisses and roars, when it came time to address the inhabitants of Terra Quintus and anyone else that was present for this blood sacrifice ceremony at the Terra Throne, she had her head servant and interpreter on hand. This particular servant was named Eelmouth, and he was a pale, disfigured being with long black hair, and on the left side of his mouth, his cheek the area the side of his face was so twisted and contorted and torn you could see the left side of his teeth through the gaping hole in his skin the terra throne was a center of power for both the terra queen and for the world of terra quintus and it was located in the realm called the terra gate this is the entry and exit point for terra quintus when it is in existence. This is how, for any of us willing to enter and hopefully, by the time we're done traversing ourselves, exit the world of Terra Quintus. The throne itself, in the center of Terragate, 
was a huge iron tree that grew from what was once a black oak sapling. The sapling grew in an ancient blood-soaked battlefield, and as that tree grew, the blood-soaked soil transformed that wood into iron. This iron tree does bear a fruit, a very highly addictive fruit called the bloodberry. And these berries only grow on this tree when the soil is soaked with blood. And this is part of that nightly bloodletting sacrifice ritual. This ritual does have a name, and in Terraquentis, it is called the Ritual de Blood, or as we could say easier, the Ritual of Blood. And it happens every night that Terraquentis and the Terraqueen are alive and in the flesh. And that is 30 nights total in this cycle. For this ritual, each night, an unsuspecting sacrifice is plucked from the humanity that is in this world, and that new sacrifice is made. This is every night except the 30th night, and we're going to get to what happens to that in this story. Another very important element to not only this sacrifice, but this story, is that each sacrifice is made with a newly crafted, forged, and honed terrathrone blade. And the start of creating that new blade actually starts with this sacrifice. Once this blood sacrifice is made, the blood berries are harvested from the terrathrone tree. The harvest, the picked berries, and the sacrificial body are turned over to the black guard. The black guards load up their bone choppers and prepare to leave Terra Gate and head towards the realm of Ironbone Gorge. This is another realm within Terraquentis, and its primary function is to celebrate the blood sacrifice and the beginning of the Terra run. And to start off, the Black Guards stop with the harvest of bloodberries and deliver them to the Demon Cantina. The Demon Cantina does two things. One, this is where they make bloodberry wine from each night's harvest. And it's also the center of the celebration for the ritual. This is where the inhabitants of Terraquentis, a majority of them from Ironbone Gorge, come together and drink the bloodberry wine from goblets made from old Terrathrone blades. There is another place of note in Ironbone Gorge, and it's called the Fetid Calf. There's not a whole lot known about this place other than the fact that it has been noted to have like a pulsing rhythmic sound coming from its walls. And it is in the known realm of celebration for Terraquintus. So with that name and what little we know, and with knowing the Black Guard, we can kind of surmise or maybe imagine that there's a gluttonous and seemingly endless feast inside. And that's about all I'm willing to let my imagination share in this episode. After the delivery of the Bloodberry Harvest and after the celebration, the Black Guards move further on into Terraquintus. They still have the sacrificial body in their possession, and they ride into the realm of Gorewood Forest. Here's where they deliver the body to the cemetery mines. They take the body deep into the cemetery mines, and then they bury it. They bury it here for a specific reason. This realm, this part of Terraquentis, when the bodies are buried, begin to transform the bones of the body into iron and the flesh into stone. Two very vital components to many of the things in Terraquintus. There are a couple unique inhabitants to this realm, and first are found typically in the cemetery mines, and they're called knuckle grunts. And these are very large, terrifying 
rodent slash human hybrids of some sort that are covered in fur and moss and just somewhat horrifying. Because they primarily work and live in the mines almost their entire lives, we rarely see them on the surface. When we do, the exposure to light usually quickly drives them back into the mines. Now, the other inhabitants, these might be the more famous of the inhabitants in Gorewood Forest. Nearby the mines is the warehouse of the body collectors. And the body collectors are these ashen-faced, ever-grinning, frighteningly silent artisans that recover useful pieces of the sacrificed bodies from the mines, as well as lure in unsuspecting victims to help create their works of art, their tools, their weapons, and their various decorations, not the least of which is a bone handle for the next Terrathrone blade. Further into the realm, there's still one more place of note, and that is a place that's referred to as the school. And these are where the children of Terraquintus learn about this cycle of the ritual of blood, the ways of each realm, and how to properly worship the Terraqueen. That's not all boring education and learning for these kids. They do have some fun when they're able to play Dead Man's Wishes. This is a game we can kind of relate to hide-and-seek, except with one twist. The children of Terraquintus are hiding, and they're seeking us, and instead of tagging us, they kill us. So, I was going to say a bit of a twist, maybe a little more than a bit in this case. The Black Guards now leave Gorward Forest. They've buried the body, and they've picked up the bone handle for the Terrathrone blade from the body collectors, and they head into the realm of Dragonforge. Dragonforge is, if not as important as the other realms, possibly the most important realm when it comes to the Terrathrone blade, because this is where the blade is actually forged. This is a realm completely engulfed in smoke and fire, and the unique inhabitants to this realm are called the Ormongers, and these are large, hulking, hideous creatures covered with burns and smoke-stained skin. The Ormongers start this process by retrieving the materials that they need to forge the blade. And they gather the materials from another set of mines in this realm called the Terra Mines. In these mines, they retrieve the Gorwood ore needed to forge the blade. There's a unique piece of, I guess you'd say, history or detail to the Terra Mines. In one of the incarnations past, or the appearances past of Terra Quintus, maybe better said, the Ormongers mined so deep that they uncovered another area of this realm called the Abysmal Deep. Ever since then, they've kind of had an ongoing altercation with the inhabitants of that particular part of this realm called the Gnome Rats. The Gnome Rats are the, as far as we know, the most ancient inhabitants of Terraquintus. It's believed that they've been there from the first time it's appeared and are the ones that know the most about the entire world as a whole. The Ormongers take the Gorwood ore that they have mined from the Terra Mines to the Tangle Root Fire Pits. That's where the blade is forged. And as the blade is being forged, it does need to be tempered. And it's done in a very unique way. It's tempered in vats of fresh human blood. 
When the oremongers would retrieve the Gorwood ore, they would inevitably retrieve more than they need for just a single blade. But they didn't let this precious resource go to waste at all. There was also the Blood Abbey in Dragonforge, and this was the abbey for a group of defrocked monks in Terraquentis that would take those that they deemed unworthy of sacrifice to the Terra Queen and collect their blood for the Ormongers to temper their Terra Throne blades. In order to do this, they had a very large and extensive set of weapons, devices of torture, just some almost undescribable items of bloodletting that were forged with the leftover Gorewood ore that was mined by the Ormongers. So now the blade is forged. And the handle attached, the Black Guard now take the blade and continue the Terra run and deliver the blade to the Terra Queen back at Terra Gate. When they arrive at the Terra Throne, a sacrifice is found, brought to the throne, and with a cut of the Terra Throne blade, this cycle of the Terra run begins again. The sacrifice and this cycle repeats every night that Terra Quintus and its realms exist. That is, as I mentioned earlier, until that very last night. On this last night, there is still one final sacrifice. But in this case, it's the queen herself. This resets the cycle for the entire world of Terra Quintus to return again. But this time, it's going to take 15 years until the next Ritual of Blood and the next Terra run. There are two more realms worth noting that are in Terra Quintus, but not part of the Terra run. And those are the North and South Hollows. Now, the North Hollows does have a danger of its own. If you go through Maldalkin Pass, it is actually a portal to the worst evils of North Hollow. Now, while South Hollow is fairly innocuous, there's really no getting in or out of it without going through one of the realms where the Terra run is taking place. So maybe better said, there really is no safe place when visiting Terra Cruentis. So with that, that is the world and the realms and some of the characters of Terra Cruentis. The most involved, detailed, and best world building in Halloween Horror Nights history as far as I'm concerned. And with this year marking 15 years since Halloween Horror Nights 15 and Terra Cruentis, many fans, including myself, were looking forward to, if not completely expecting, a return of the Terra Queen at least or some form of Terra Cruentis in one way or another. So where does that leave us when we do have our next full-blown Halloween Horror Nights, which is very likely to be called Halloween Horror Nights 30? If you want to be a real stickler for canon in terms of passage of time, it will have been 16 years since Terra Quintus last appeared. Now, I'm only asking this from a, a story position or in relation to the story, I guess is better said. I am happy to have a piece of this world and their characters back anytime. It doesn't even have to be 15 years. And I'm even just as happy to have a full-blown return of them with some retconning explaining why the passage of time is different. It really is not going to be that big a deal to me. But even with that, it is really frustrating to think that this pandemic had 14 other years to hit 
and postpone a Halloween Horror Nights, but it had to do it on the 15th year in terms, again, of this story and really screw up that one extremely important detail to the story. Any other year could have been postponed and would have had no effect on that 15-year return. But no, that's not what happened. And that is a little frustrating from a lore standpoint. And of course, from an entire event standpoint, but we don't need to get in that detail in this episode. And with all that, that brings us to the end of this special episode of the Catacombs of Halloween Horror Nights. Like I said earlier in the episode, the houses and scare zones from this year, meaning Halloween Horror Nights 15 and 2005, were covered along with the story as we discussed that year in the Halloween Horror Nights 15 episode. And you can find that on neozaz.com, or if you're new to this feed, it's further down in this feed. And I'll also put a link directly into this show post to make it even easier to find. There's another Legacy and Lore episode coming next week in this feed, so stay tuned for that. There's more from the Catacombs of Halloween Horror Nights and many of our HHN content creator friends all season long. To stay up to date with that, you can join our Facebook group. We are Shady Brook Asylum. There are a few questions to just make sure you're not a, uh, what are that, a, a bot, a subscription bot. I'm not sure what the technical term is, just to make sure you're human. There's no wrong answers is what I'm trying to say. And again, that's Shady Brook Asylum on Facebook. You can follow me on Twitter. My account is at Neozaz. And all the details of these shows during this Halloween season are going to be shared in all those places. So the last thing for me to do, of course, is to say thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this special. I enjoyed reviewing or revisiting this story and just the story alone. Like I said, in our last time we talked about this, it was in a different way. So it was really cool to just look at this story once again. So I hope it was for you as well. And that will do it. I will see you in that next episode. Thank you for listening to the Catacombs of Halloween Horror Nights podcast. The Catacombs of Halloween Horror Nights is a Neozaz Internet Entertainment production. For more great podcasts and original entertainment, visit our website at neozaz.com. The Catacombs of Halloween Horror Nights is not affiliated with nor endorsed by Universal Studios Florida. All Halloween Horror Nights properties, icons, titles, events, and related items are property, trademark, and copyright, Universal Studios, or their respective trademark and copyright holders. For more Halloween Horror Nights coverage, follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Podcast and follow our Twitter account at Neozaz. To help support the series and all the work we do at Neozaz, check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.